Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. Listen, when you want to do something for a friend, a family member, an employer, employee, when you want to uh, maybe send flowers or chocolates or uh, a gift, be sure to take advantage of our deal with ProFlowers.com. Just click on the microphone on the upper right-hand corner of the homepage and type in the offer code RISK. You'll be helping us. You'll be helping risk when you do so. And the same goes for our deal with adamandeve.com. You need condoms. You need lube. Whenever you need something in that whole bedroom arena, go to adamandeve.com and be sure and use the offer code RISK. We have a fantastic deal with them, and you really should be taking advantage of it. Finally, postage rates are changing again which means the post office is about to become even more crowded. That's why we at Risk and the Story Studio use Stamps.com. We can buy and print official U.S. postage right from our desks using our own computer and printers. Stamps.com always updates the postage rates for you automatically. And unlike those postage meter companies, Stamps.com never charges a fee to do it. So you always get the exact postage you need. You'll never have to go to the post office again. Now, right now, we have a special offer. When you use our promo code RISK, it's a no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in RISK. Remember, you'll be helping us when you do that. That's Stamps.com. Enter RISK. Now, here's the show. Extra risk. 
kids, this is Extra Risk, where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. This is a song called Scream and Shout Like Chicks on Speed by Distotech. And we're calling today's episode The Walking Wounded because we have two stories of people going through some rough rites of passage. The second story we'll hear will come from our dear friend, Dave Hill, brilliant comic, and uh, he told an especially poignant story at a recent Risk Live show. You should definitely check out Dave's uh, podcast of his own. It's called The Dave Hill Podcasting Incident. I had an absolute blast when I was a guest on Dave's show fairly recently. Go check out that episode of the Dave Hill Podcasting Incident. We talked about how I recently got tied up and tickle-tortured by an acquaintance. (laughs) Emphasis more on the torture part than the tickle part. But before we hear from Dave, we're going to hear from the charming young actress Candice Gardino. Uh, Candice has done some fabulous cabaret shows around town here in New York and multi-character solo shows. You can hear how good she is at uh, impressions of people in this story. This is Candice Gardino live at the New York Risk Show. We call this one Time You Know What It Tastes Like. Staten Island. I'd like to talk to you about Staten Island. (laughs) It's a place where every boy's name is either Vinny, Anthony, or Joey. It's a place where the people say sock and coffee. And by people, I mean my mother. Um, Staten Island is also known as the most popular area for garbage dumping. (laughs) Staten Island is where all the women go to Antoinette's tips, if I can remember that correctly, to get their very long acrylic nails put on so they can type just like that. Staten Island. (sighs) I grew up there, born and raised, actually. And I'm very proud of it. And I'd like to take you back for when I was about 13. Staten Island, our lady help of Christians grammar school. Yes, I went to a Catholic elementary school. What is it? Elementary, junior, high school, like all the levels, all Catholic all the time, me, in a little plaid skirt with the pleats and the little white man tailor shirt and the buttons that, you know, like that tie, that buttons, you feel like you're choking yourself to death. I wore those every day of my life. And the slutty girls, or I should say the stat rats, they hike their skirts really, really high. Oh, yeah, stat rats are sluts. That's what we call them, stat rats. Um, So they would hike their skirts really, really high. I didn't because I was chubby, so I didn't feel that that would be a good idea. So here I am, 13, seventh grade, and Mrs. Conti is teaching some sort of social studies that I really never paid attention to. Mrs. Conti looked like Cher, but think Cher like Moonstruck 1984 with like the white streaks through her black frizzy hair. That's what she looked like. And I remember distinctly because I was daydreaming, not really paying attention to what's going on over here, and I'm staring at the most beautiful man ever. And all of a sudden I hear, Kansas, can you name the five great lakes? Shit. No. 
clearly I couldn't because I wasn't paying attention, and I probably couldn't actually name the five Great Lakes right now if you asked me to. Honestly, I can't name them. But I remember when I was staring and like looking at Joey. That's his name. His name is Joey. He is like the hottest freaking man I've ever seen in my life. I was 13. I mean, my, my hormones were raging. And I'm staring at him and staring at him. You know why I loved him so much? Because he looked just like my celebrity crush. My celebrity crush. Oh, man, I would run home every day, and I'd turn on the television, and I would watch this man. Just how he handled those three little girls, and I just loved him. And the cleaning products, and, and the way his tall, slender body. I loved Danny Tanner. I loved Full House. I wanted Danny Tanner. And Joey, Joey looked just like Danny Tanner. I mean, everything about him. And he was the most popular guy at St. Joseph by the sea and Our Lady Help of Christians. Every school knew him. And he was in my class. Joey. Bell rings. And what happens? I gather my books very quickly and I like to hurry up because if I can walk past him just in time to brush his shoulder, I can smell his cologne. CK1. It was so good. <laughs> So here we go. I pack on my bags and I brush past him, but this time I don't touch him because all the freaking popular girls always gather around him. You know the popular girls. In Staten Island, they were blonde. They were thin, they never had to diet, and they never wore braces. I was the actual opposite of that. Yeah, those girls. They're talking to him. They're having a conversation with him. And he's listening because he's polite and sweet because his mommy raised him so great. And I just, I love him. And all of a sudden he sees me walk past him and he turns. He actually comes over to me and he says, you want to play freeze tag in the woods? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do. <sighs> actually, I said that in my head and I stood there. My best friend goes, fucking answer. Oh, yes, um, I'll meet you there after. So I go, put away my books, and I see all the popular kids going toward the wood, towards the woods. The woods were like, I don't know, a few feet away from the school, and my house was kind of near that too, so I always walked home. But this time, I walked to the woods with purpose. And here I am walking, and the whole entire time I'm saying to myself, don't be a fucking dork, don't be a dork, just play freestyle good, be a good athletic person, don't be a dork, don't be a dork. And we get to the woods, and all the popular guys are lined up, and all the popular girls are lined up. It was so twilight, except for the whole, like, vampire and, like, you know, wolf thing. And we're in the forest, it was so sexy. And I stand at the end of the popular girl line, the only brunette, and here I am, and Joey, of course, says, we're going to start picking teams. I'm team captain. Raise your hands. Fuck. Okay. Here we go. Oh, Joey, pick me. Please pick me. Please pick me. Please pick me. I'll take Candace. Fuck. He picked me. Okay. He picked me. Like, that's a good thing. He, like, likes me, right? Okay. Now I can't fuck up the game. I mean, it's freeze tag, for Christ's sakes. I, I got this. Freeze tag. Here we go. Now, base, by the way, was this huge tree in the forest. It was like sunken in the back, but we all knew where the tree was, and I knew it was especially because it was like right behind my house. And that was base. Got it. Here we go. We're running, and I see base. Now, freaking other team is following me. They're right behind me. I feel them on my ass, and I also feel Joey looking at me. And he's like, baby, you suck, but don't, don't give up. You can do it. Go to that tree. 
got it. So here I go. I'm running and I'm running towards the tree and I'm running like all hell. And I put my hand out because I just want to touch the tree. Oh dear God. And I'm almost there. And Bang. I fell down a well. Literally, a well like baby Jessica in the 90s. <laughs> so, let's discuss this well. First thing, I didn't even know there was a fucking well in Staten Island. There's no wells in Staten Island. And here I am, stuck in a well. It's dirty, it smells, and it's very silence of the lambs minus the poodle. And I swear to God, the whole time I kept thinking, am I down and he's up? And How did I get down here? And he leans over and looks down and he says, Candace, you all right? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. It was really dirty. So here he goes. He sticks his hand down. He gets on his belt and he tries to grab my hand. And I try to reach up. My leg is stuck. My, my foot's stuck. Okay. I can't reach you. All right. What am I going to do? Just sit here? <laughs> Go get my mom. My house is the, the one behind the big tree. All right. So now Joey runs home to get my mom to tell him I fell in a well. Uh, Mrs. Gardino, your daughter fell down a well. A well? Nine, one, one. Get me the fire department, the police, maybe even an ambulance. I don't know. She goes and gets the rosary beads from her bedroom, runs down the steps, and runs to the forest with Joey in her other hand. She's running, and she gets to the forest, and now she sees me down the well, and she says, Candace, are you all right? Mom, I'm okay. My leg is stuck. Now my tummy really hurts. Don't worry. I called everyone. Uh, okay, and all of a sudden I hear... And I'm thinking, there's no way she called the ambulance or a fire department or anything like that. She wouldn't do that, right? Would she? All of a sudden you hear, she's over here! And you see all of the firemen running with their axes and shovels. The police pull up and all the popular kids are now standing over the well, looking in and laughing. And they start digging because they can't reach. So they start digging down this well and digging and digging and now the dirt is coming in this way and I'm in the center, the dirt's falling in, it's up to about here, my leg is stuck, I can't get out. The fireman gets finally down the well further enough that he's able to touch my hand and he says, I'm gonna pull and another guy's gonna come down and get your foot out, okay? And as the other guy comes down, he looks at my leg and he says, we have a bleeder! My leg was cut, apparently. So my mother takes out the rosary beads. She starts praying to God. She's saying every rosary known to man that a Catholic could possibly know. And they finally get me out of this well. They carry me out. And now I'm out of the forest. And as we turn to come out, there's every Staten Island person there. I mean, anyone you could possibly think of. My aunts, my uncle, Joey, and now all of the popular kids. Shit, they even called my uncle? Well, Lenny the ice cream guy showed up. I mean, anyone you could possibly think of is there, all of my neighbors. And the fireman car carries me out. And he says, where's the truck? Where's the truck? And he puts me on the back of the truck. So I'm sitting on the back of the truck, and my mother's flipping out because there's blood everywhere. So now he rips open the bottom of my pants. Mm. Um, where's the blood on my leg? If it's not coming from my leg, then where is it coming from? Mom! My mother steps onto the fire truck. She turns around to the crowd. Everyone! 
Candace is just fine. She got her period. The crowd cheers. And one by one, each person is coming up to me, hugging me, shaking my hand. It's like the graduation song was playing in my voice. And all of a sudden, firefighter comes over and he taps me on the back. Good job. (laughs) And then through the crowd, I see a, a small woman coming through. It's my grandmother. She has a cup of coffee in her hand. It's time you know what it tastes like. <laughs> Welcome to womanhood, Candace. It fucking sucks. <laughs> I didn't really know what, like, period was. I just knew it was bad. I knew, like, something was happening to me and that maybe I would die or, I don't know, maybe I was supposed to, like, produce a child. Like, I wasn't sure exactly what it was, But apparently it was kind of cool because, well, the next two weeks became a blur because I would receive cards in the mail and presents, and my mom would display the cards all over the mantle. Um, Congratulations, welcome to womanhood. I got these really cool gifts. Like, I got these little, like, they, like, floated in the water. They look like uh, little boats. I later found out they were pads, but I thought they were funny, and the tampon thing really, like, was a new experience. But all in all, I'd like to thank my mom because I grew up thinking that every time someone got their period, we had to announce it and send cards and gifts to their house. So, thanks, Mom. Thank you. Are you all right? My leg is stuck. Now my tummy really hurts. Don't worry, I called everyone. The fire department, the police, Maybe even an ambulance. I don't know. Uh, okay. She's over here. She's over here. She's over here. Growing up, I always thought, my whole life really, I thought I had a really good understanding an appreciation of death, like if someone gets sick or they get old or they get hit by a bus or they get accidentally thrown in a burlap sack and thrown over the side of a boat in the middle of the night or whatever, and they're dead, like that's it. Like I was just like, well, that's just life, you know? And and then there'd be a, a funeral and a wake and a reception, like when that'd be kind of like this fun kind of victory lap, you know, after a hopefully nice long and nice you know life and like you know as a kid i would my you know my grand my you know a great grandparent or someone would someone die and i'd be like oh cool like we're gonna have sandwiches and cookies this would be great like i may have been like too accepting of death now that i think about it but anyway a couple years ago my mom died and it was like a whole different story like all of a sudden i was like whoa like well it was as if no one had ever died before in the history of time and like the very concept of death didn't even exist i just and i cu- just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that she she died like even it's not, not even like on a grief level like it was just like it didn't compute like and it didn't make any sense cuz definitely the last couple, at least two or three times i saw my mom she was you guys she was so dead like 
I touched her, I kissed her, you know, every, and she was just like the deadest lady you could ever imagine. She was so dead. Like, could not be debated. Super dead lady. But I could not, still could, just couldn't wrap my head around it. So I decided to tell myself that, you know, she just moved. And because I was like, that makes more sense to me. Like, she just moved, like, in the middle of the night. Like, my mom, you know, had a nice long life. And she lived in Cleveland the whole time. So it's like, you know, it's well within her rights to just pick up and move. Like... <laughs> Paris, Paramus, wherever, wherever you want to go, like just get out of town for a little bit. But then I thought about it, like, and I was like, well, my mom was like a really nice lady. She wouldn't just pick up and move in the middle of the night and like leave all her stuff behind and leave my dad with all the house chores and worst of all, make it so like I can't borrow money ever or anything. Like, there's no way she would do this. So eventually I had to just accept like I guess I guess she is you know everyone's saying she's dead I guess I'll just go with that thing that she's dead and my mom uh, was an Irish Catholic lady so of course like she was super religious and I know she believed in an afterlife like I think she's like pretty much counting on it and I know opinions vary on that but I was like for her sake like I know she wanted an afterlife so I was like then she gets an afterlife. She's, so I was like, that's where my mom is. She's in the afterlife. And then once I thought that, I was like, well, you know, I jumped to the next logical conclusion that she could definitely see me all the time, like no matter what I did. And as soon as you start thinking like that, I was like, my mom can see me. And I was like, oh my God, I do so much fucked up stuff. Like pretty much everything I do is so fucked up all the time. And then I had to lay down some ground rules with my mom. And I was like, Mom, you can't, you know, be checking out everything. Like, no, you can't go in the bathroom. Aside from, like, the obvious stuff that goes on in there, like the gross stuff. Like, I have so many moisturizers and just, like, embarrassed. Just stuff straight men should not have. Like, and I'm like, I don't, this woman does not need to know about that. And then I live in a studio apartment, so, like, my bed takes up, like, half the place. And I'm like... So, all right, so if I'm in bed, she can't, she can't be seeing that. Like, not that I'm, like, just hanging and banging. I mean, I do all right. I do fine. <laughs> I do great. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, like, pull my boxers off in the middle of the night. It's just weird to have my ass hanging. Just stuff my mom shouldn't have to see, you know. And then the rest of my apartment is pretty much my desk, and that's where my computer is. So... No, you can't, you know, when I'm on my computer, she wouldn't understand the research that I do. So I was like, you can't, can't, okay, no bathroom, no bed, no, 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 whenever I'm at my desk. So it pretty much leaves, like, she can see me, like, putting on my shoes and, like, making spaghetti. And that stuff's adorable, don't get me wrong. But, like, I feel like my mom deserved more than that. So it's, it's like, so it's just, like, another thing I'm really frustrated about after she died, and then, you know, so she's gone, and but my dad is still around, so as soon as my mom was gone, I was like, I have to really make the most of my time with my dad, like, I can spend, you know, I miss my mom, but I can spend time with my dad, so I'm, like, really trying to up the ante on hanging out with him, and so, you know, we usually just hang out and, and drink coffee of various strengths and things, and and chat and then we'll go out to eat and like when my mom was alive it'd always be like she wouldn't want to go out to eat she'd be like let's just uh, just stay home we'll boil something but my dad like I can just be like let's go out to eat and be like yeah fuck yeah um, he, he doesn't swear he's a gentleman but uh, anyway so we'd go out and my whole life when we would go out to eat like it would never 
be like uh, never being concerned that I would actually pay for any of it. But somewhere along the line, as soon as my mom got sick with cancer a couple of years ago, right around then we would go out to eat. And, you know, like in my 20s, I started to do where you like reach for your wallet like we like right like my dad be like well that's adorable like you would might actually like I knew I had no money but it would be like oh it's sweet that you pretended and uh (laughs) but then I remember we were out to dinner and the check came and I'm just sort of like uh do that thing dad uh and he and and I so I took my wallet out to see what would happen and I'm waiting for him to just like oh no I got this one and he didn't and just to test him I was like let me get this one. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And uh, I totally ended up paying for dinner. I'm like, well, that was just a fluke. We go out again, and I pay for it again. It happens, you know, over and over. And I start to worry, and I call my siblings. I'm just like, oh, my God, like, you know, dad's, you know, mom's dying, and, 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 you know, he's going broke. Like, he can't even pay for Chinese food now. Like, what's going on? Like, is he okay? And my, you know, I'm talking to my brother, and he's like, yeah, he's fine. Like, that guy's loaded. He could live, like, another 50 years. And he's got a ton of money. So I'm like, God, this is even worse than I and expected. Like, like, I realized the only reason he could possibly be letting me pay for dinner was to, like, show me some sort of respect or something like he's like I have son I know you're a grown man who can pay for P.F. Chang's now and uh, and I was like that's what this is about dad I do not need this kind of respect uh, from you so needless to say so my mom's dead and and my dad is bleeding me dry so I'm like oh it's like I'm you know getting like really depressed and I and I was trying everything it's like drinking a lot prescriptions therapy everything and the one thing that worked was running and it's it's the most embarrassing it's the worst I hate run it's the fucking worst does anyone run here no it's horrible right I mean, everything. I hate the time that it takes. I hate the outfits. I hate the running part is the worst. <laughs> Where you actually, that's so bad. And, and even worse is like the other runners when you're running along and they see you from far away and they're like, hey, we're both running. Like, Fuck you. Like, I'm miserable. I don't want to connect with you. So anyway, shortly after my mom died, I'm like out running in Cleveland where I'm from. And uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> And it's freezing out, and I was, like, running so far, and, like, it's getting, like, and it's the dead of winter, and I start to think, like, I can't, I can't feel my my penis anymore. Like, I think I might be getting, like, my testicles had jumped up into my body, like, long ago, during the run, and, um, like, my, I was like, oh, man. Like, my penis is just this little nub, a cashew-like nub, just frozen. I was like, I... I think I might get frostbite in my penis. I don't want this to happen, you know? I start to panic, and I'm too far from home to just turn it around. So I start, like, fluffing myself, you know, as I'm running. And then I start to think, like, who can see me, like, right now? Like, what's going on? You know, uh, like, like people, I'm assuming people are, like, looking out their front window or, like, cars. So I come up with this, like, mathematical equation, like how, how many, you know, every 30 seconds or so I can really try to revive my genitals. And, uh, you know, I'm like, this is about survival. And so I didn't want anyone to, to really see that I was basically masturbating running down a main road in Cleveland. 
But then it occurred to me, like, the one person that could see all of it is, was my mother. And I was like, oh, fuck, Mom, you have a tough choice to make right now. Because, you know, like, whether you want, you know, your son to be masturbating publicly on the streets of your hometown or you want me to, like, have it be awkward every time I go in the showers for the rest of my life or whatever. So I'm like, Mom, you've got to let me have this one. I think she, I'd like to think she said yes. But anyways, aside from the, all that... Um, you know, the bigger thing is that I, I just miss her. Like, you know, you, I, I sort of wish death came with a sort of exit interview where you could, like, kind of talk it over. Like, I, I just want my mom to know that everything's okay and, like, I'm not going to become a call girl unless I want or whatever. Um, you know, I just didn't want her to work. So my whole life I always did all this stuff, you know, writing and comedy and music and... Uh, just stuff that doesn't guarantee stuff that makes parents worry, you know. And it, like, I just want my like, I want my mom to get it, and I want want her to be proud of me. And you know, I spent my my whole life, especially my adult life, just being really frustrated. I'm like, what's her problem, you know? And I remember when I was like 15, uh, sneaking down to the kitchen like in the middle of the night, and uh, to to bake cookies, and. Uh, and and then like the door it's like midnight and my mom's like oh shit and, like I'm busted at like making cookies and she was like no no we're cool uh, and it was she was just like basically you give me some cookies and I won't tell anyone else in the house there's cookies so I'm like alright shut the fucking door um, she, I could swear in front of her um, and so we're sitting down and we're chatting just you know mostly cookie talk like how good they are like you know right when they're out of the oven and how good they are or like after a while like a little burn not quite cooked you know like cookie talk and and as we're talking like i realize i'm like holy shit like this lady isn't just my mom she's like a person and like i think we might even be friends like i'm oh this is so gross um but like you know i realized things would never be the same like we would we were, you know, we had always been friends. We'd be friends for life. And it was like, you know, kind of a nice realization. But, you know, before a 15-year-old, it's a bit horrifying. And in the last few months of my mom's life, when she was too sick to be at home, she was in the hospital, I would go, you know, I'd bring her, like, a bag of cookies uh, every day. To the ho- I'd bring, do you guys you know Tate's cookies? They're, it's the best cookie, if you know them. They're the best. I only mention it in the podcast because I'm hoping for a... Uh, the, you know, something will happen. Uh, no, no, but they're the best cookies. Um, no, they are. Uh, and uh, so I bring them, and every you know, I would just let her eat as many. You know, we just eat as many as we could because I knew, no matter how sick she got, you know, as long as she could eat cookies, like she was still my mom. Like that's still, you know, even if she can barely talk, as long as she's like throwing down with the cookies I'm like that's totally her so you know and the doctors would be like no you can you know just give her like one cookie a day that's cool but I would you know I was like well is can, the cookies gonna make her sick they're gonna kill her and they'd be like no no the cancer's got that covered it just you know probably you know that's not good. I guess even when you're dying you shouldn't eat too many cookies I disagree so uh, so you know we would just eat as many cookies as, as we could and one of the last times uh, you know, I spent with her. I was in the hospital with her, and and uh, it was getting late, and the rest of my family had had gone home, and I was helping her eat her hospital food, just like whatever steamed bullshit they bring you. And then I was like, "Oh, it's cookie time!" And we break out the cookies, and we're eating, we're eating these cookies and everything. And um, 
And as we're sitting there, like, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you know, we're just, you know, she can barely talk at this point. And, and I realized, like, oh, my God, like, this is, like, I've spent my whole life being like, what's her problem? Why didn't she get me? Why is she, like, always worried about what I'm doing? And, and then I, it hit me. I'm like, like, she never had a problem with me. She was always proud of me. Like, this is, like, my own hang up like she doesn't give a fuck like she just wants to hang out and eat cookies with me <laughs> and like and then I was like that's what this is like life is pretty much about just kind of hanging out with people you love and eating cook doesn't have to be cookies but um <laughs> and then so you know it's getting late and she was ready to conk out and everything and so I was like oh, I'll put the cookies away and I'm I'm putting my coat on and I you know I look at her and and you know I say oh mom you know are you sick of me and she says, yeah, I'm sick of you. And then, you know, she sort of looks at me and it was sort of with perfect timing. Then she just smiles a little bit and says, I love you. And those ended up, you know, I couldn't have planned this in a million years and, uh, or anything like that. But the cookies that night ended up being the last thing she ever ate. And those, you know, those words were the last words she ever said to me. And it just, you know, I realized like sometimes in the, the darkest moment you can just, you know, bright light will just blind the fuck out of you. Um, so I was like, holy shit. Anyway, call your mother. <laughs> Thank you. For this episode, this is a song called All I Want by Codaline, Behind Me Now. And that was Dave Hill at the Risk Live show in New York with a story he calls Bunny. Well, folks, I um, have to be frank with you. We've had quite a nerve-wracking beginning to 2013. The Risk staff has been doing a lot of talking about whether or not we are going to last through 2013 because we are hurting for money bad uh we are listener supported now we're gonna do every damn thing in our power to keep this show running but uh we do have to appeal to you for help 
if there are any listeners out there who happen to know or have any connection to a philanthropist, someone who would be in the position to make a major donation to us and to our parent network, MaximumFun.org, please write to me directly at Kevin at Risk-Show.com. And for all the rest of you, you can become a member at MaximumFun.org. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. You can also just make a one-time donation there and earmark risk. We really do need your support to keep things running smoothly here. We've got a ton of amazing things in the works right now. Stuff that's coming right down the pike. So be assured there's a lot of fun to come. But uh, I can't emphasize enough. We need your support. North Carolina. We are coming your way on February 9th. We are at the Art Center main stage in Carborough, San Francisco. We are coming your way on February 2nd with Greg Proops, Glenn Wool, and Chris Garcia. Los Angeles on January 24th. We'll have Johnny McGovern, Sean Patton, and author Chris Ryan. And on that same night, January 24th in New York, we'll have H. Allen Scott, Dale Sulefs, Guy Branham, and more. Whenever you want to find out where the Risk Live show is happening next and how to get tickets, go to risk-show.com slash tour. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk. Call your mother. 